imagine you're at a restaurant with a group. At the end of the meal, the server brings over the bill. How would you prefer to settle the check? Hi, excuse me, can we get separate checks, please? Unfortunately, our policy does not allow separate checks. My apologies. Oh, no problem. I don't mind using my card if everyone just pays me back. Oh, for sure, I'll Venmo you right now. Should we just split the bill evenly? Well, our entrees were all pretty different prices and some of us aren't drinking, so maybe we can just each pay for what we ordered? <laughs> okay, here's $40 for mine. You didn't even look at the bill. Yours was actually more like 45 plus tax and tip. Let's call it 57. Mm, technically it's 56.75. If we're gonna do all this math, might as well be exact. I'm happy with a rough number, just tell me what I owe. You know what, I have a bill splitting app. I can just take a picture of the receipt and I'll invite everyone to join. Sorry to interrupt, I'm just gonna leave this here. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We've all experienced the awkwardness, the unspoken social rules, the many complexities of splitting the bill. So in today's episode, I want to dive into that discourse. I'll highlight some examples, but I also want to get deeper into why people feel so strongly about this topic and how our values affect our relationships with money. So let's start with a recent viral example from Bria Jones on TikTok. This girl owes me about $240. I don't even really know her. I'm usually the friend that doesn't mind putting their card down when we go out to eat and stuff. My friends pay me back. We do the Venmo thing, like it's no biggie. Plus I like to get the credit card points. A friend of a friend was invited to this dinner that I didn't really know and I did the card thing and this girl has not paid me back for six weeks. Did I get scammed? This TikTok got so many fascinating responses, some of which were kind of baffling to me. Arguments like, what do you expect her to do? Give you the money the next day like she just has it all? Uh, yeah. No, you have to wait. And if you can't wait, you just suck it up and you take the gesture. As you offered it. No, that is wild. Friend of friend orders $240 worth of stuff for herself. I think it's beyond fair to assume that someone can pay for what they're ordering, right? So Bria offers up her card because somebody has to, with the agreed upon social rule being, just pay me back, just Venmo me. There was also this stitch. Yeah, this is kind of ridiculous. You um, took away her opportunity to pay using credit. You also took away her points that she would have earned for paying. You also took away her ability to defer the payment or make multiple payments. So putting her card down was taking things away from friend of friend. That's a take. You took away her opportunity to pay the way that she was able to pay. So for you to expect her to be able to instantaneously pay after you interfered in her finances, it's ridiculous. If friend of friend wanted or needed to pay with credit, she should have spoken up. Anyway, clearly it's easy to get into the arguments, the nitty gritty of what each of us believe is right. People have all sorts of ways to approach group bills, intermingling money and friendship. And technically there is no correct answer. There's only things that are maybe more or less socially acceptable. There is so much nuance to explore. But before we continue, this portion of today's video is sponsored by Parade. 
I fully used to settle with boring, uncomfortable bras and underwear, often in the wrong size. Like, why was I doing that to myself? I am so excited to be working with Parade. They have been my favorite underwear brand for years. Parade products are not only stretchy and soft, so comfortable, but they're also made with sustainability and inclusivity in mind. So let me show you a few faves that exemplify their fun and sexy vibe. First up, this is the Dream Fit Triangle Bralette in the replay fabric and the color is acid. Parade's bralettes are the star of the show for me. I adore the triangle bralettes. They are just the perfect amount of support and shaping that I want, and I wear them pretty much every day. Next up, we have this cutie pair of undies, the High Rise Cheeky. Parade just loves a funky print, and so do I. This one is called Enchanted. I love the silky mesh fabric. It is true to the name. Lastly, I have a matching set, the Free Comfort Boxer Brief and Peekaboo Scoop Bralette. This is the bubblegum gingham print in what Parade calls their new cotton, which uses 95% less water than traditional cotton. I sized up for this bralette because I wanted the band to be a little roomy. And the boxer briefs, if you don't own any, you may be missing out. I've been wearing them with trousers, under dresses, or on their own as pajamas. They're so comfy and versatile. So if you need any new intimates, I highly recommend checking out Parade. Underwear is the base of an outfit. It can set the tone for your day. So make it good. If you like any of these specific prints, I would hurry because their styles can sell out quickly. Go enjoy 25% off site-wide with my code FERG25. That doesn't apply to their heavily discounted firework sale, but that is a banger with incredible deals, so you should check that out too. Okay, so getting back into it, let's start with a survey I made. I wanted to get a general sense of my audience's stance on this, and according to my YouTube analytics, my audience is like 85% women, 18 to 35-ish, and about 75% of my audience is based in the US, Canada, UK, various countries in the EU. So this is a pretty Western sample. Keep that in mind. I got over 12,000 responses, which is very fun. I offered multiple choice answers, which I know are specific and might not apply to everyone, but I wanted to intentionally limit to a few options to see if you had to pick, what would it be? So question number one, in general, how would you prefer to settle a group check? 57% would prefer separate checks, 11% would put their card down, 20% would pay that person back, 10% would just put down cash to cover their portion, then we have 0.6% who would be willing to cover the whole bill, their treat. And these responses don't surprise me, I think separate checks are nice because you don't have to mix money with anyone, just pay for yourself directly. I do think it's interesting though, for example, how existing financial technology plays a role. Like here in the US, the server brings the bill, someone puts down a credit card, they take it away, they swipe it at the machine, bring it back, then you sign the receipt, add the tip, etc. This is why many restaurants don't want to separate the checks because it can just be really time consuming with their computer systems. But in many other countries, they have table side card readers. So the server brings it over, you don't have to give up your card, you just tap it yourself. And often these card readers let servers separate the check right at the table very easily. I've experienced that while traveling and I definitely prefer that system, but it's kind of complicated because I guess here in the US with our tipping culture, some customers might feel weird if they were choosing their tip directly in front of their server. There's a lot to it, 
cultural issues, tech issues. Anyway, question number two. If only allowed one check, should we split the bill evenly or calculate what each person owes? 11% would prefer to split the check evenly, about 20% would prefer calculating the exact amount, and 69% say let's roughly calculate what each person owes, but if it's off by a few dollars, that's fine. For this one, I think a lot of people would say their choice would depend on the context, depends on the type of restaurant, like if you're eating family style, the dishes are shared, it might make more sense to split the bill evenly. Or if you're at a relatively cheap place and the cost difference isn't going to be much, people are going to be more okay with splitting. There can be very specific like cultural food values that go into this question and things like whether you live in a more communal or individualistic society, but I'm going to touch on that later in this video. Question number three, someone puts their card down and asks to be paid back. How would you go about that? 82% say pay them back immediately with a money transfer app or cash. 16% say pay them back by the next morning. 1% pay them back when your next paycheck comes in. And 1% I won't pay them back. I'll cover their portion next time we go out. I didn't realize so many people were so adamant about paying immediately. I'll be honest, I'm usually a pay by the next morning person. It depends. Honestly, I blame this on like the chillness of my California hometown friend group. I feel like all of us when we're together are very like relaxed not rushed and I think most of my friends are more like Venmo the next day kind of types so with that let's discuss the payback dance if people don't pay you back right away, how do you go about asking or getting them to? If you're the one that people owe, you might wonder, oh, is it too soon to remind them? Is sending a Venmo request passive aggressive? Does this make me seem rude or cheap? And it's so funny because in this example, again, we're talking about an agreed upon situation. I'll pay, you guys pay me back. We talked about it, it was communicated, yet it can still be awkward to ask people to pay you back. It's so mean. Don't do it. It's the meanest thing you could do. They're gonna cry. Hey, remember when I spotted you for dinner? Could you maybe please send me that money? I'm so sorry. Never mind. And especially if it goes on later than like the next morning, the next day, you start to wonder, okay, did this person genuinely forget? And maybe all they need is a quick reminder. Or maybe it's intentional or habitual. Maybe this friend does this all the time. They never pay people back. I should have known. This situation can easily breed resentment, guilt, and other uncomfy feelings. A popular piece of advice is never loan money that you wouldn't be okay losing. And I get that sentiment, but again, when it comes to these group events that require somebody to book the rental or the hotel, it can be hard to avoid. Anyway, how you might react to someone paying you back can depend on a lot of factors. How much money are we talking about? Can you afford to lose that? If it's $10, okay, don't worry about it. 50? Mmm, that wasn't in my budget. 240? No, I have bills to pay. You gotta send that money. It also depends how close you are with that person and if they've communicated with you about the issue or are they just leaving you on red. It's very complicated. But all of these behaviors, the spoken and unspoken rules, affect our perceptions of each other. We make judgments and assumptions based on how people behave with money. And then we become self-conscious. What do people think of me? Am I being perceived? 
perceived as generous or stingy, too flashy or too cheap. I think this is why people want to avoid the situation altogether. Separate checks, please. I do not want to mix money with my friends. By the way, quickly, I want to give a shout out to all the planners of the friend group. You know who you are. You created the group chat, offer restaurant options. You made the reservation. This friend is often also the friend who puts their card down, who takes a picture of the receipt, does the math, sends Venmo requests, keeps track of who paid what. Now you're not only the primary organizer, you're also the financial planner. At worst, you might feel like the bank of the friendship group. You're loaning cash, you're responsible for the burden. If anyone doesn't pay you back, you're the one losing money. All this effort at 0% interest. To be honest, there are some people who genuinely use their friends as like a buy now, pay later system. And it sucks to feel that way. Like, oh, my friend that owes me 50 bucks just spent $500 on concert tickets. I don't want to play debt collector, not at all. And I don't wanna judge your spending habits like I'm your mother, but you're putting me in an awkward position. Anyway, shout out to that friend. Their labor is often taken for granted and they're underappreciated. So remember to thank this friend, treat them once in a while, and make an effort to share the organizing duties in whatever ways you can. Anyway, back to my point. Why does going through the motions of paying a friend back feel so weird and uncomfortable? Well, first of all, this can involve confrontation, the potential for rejection or being ignored. And that is kryptonite if you don't like conflict. But a major reason I think the payback dance is awkward is it can make our friendships feel transactional. It feels normal to pay the server, but in invoicing our friends and sending bill reminders feels more like business than socializing. Back in the day, it was more common for people to just take turns buying a round of drinks for each other. It'll all even out, but now it seems like everyone just keeps a running tab of who owes what. And I get it, that is totally understandable when you look at our current financial and social circumstances. First of all, our budgets are tight and many of us can't afford to be as generous as we would like. I'd love to buy my friends drinks, but we're in a cost of living crisis and I can barely afford to pay my bills. Everything is so expensive and drinks here are $17. Secondly, that reciprocal method might work well for friends you see regularly, but many of us see our friends much less often. And it's a lot harder to volunteer to pay a whole $300 bill if you know you might not see these friends again until like next year. But I think a huge component of that transactional nature is due to the money transfer apps themselves. They are changing our behavior. Nowadays, most young people use Venmo, Zelle, and other bank-to-bank -bank transfers so often, it just becomes automatic. We're sending our roommates the rent, splitting the cost of groceries. These apps are super functional and very convenient. Now many of us find ourselves sending money back and forth constantly, but we're keeping things fair and even, you know, here's $19 for my movie ticket. And thank you for sending me $21 for tacos. This is from a New York Times article by Teddy Wayne. Thanks to Venmo, we now all know how cheap our friends are. Some Venmo users have observed a decline in magnanimity hard for me to say that one, particularly for small purchases. I have a friend who's against Venmo because he believes it harms the norm of social reciprocity, said Zach Fuchs. He noted that a colleague might normally feel compelled to buy the next round of happy hour drinks, for instance, but with Venmo, he can just pay them back and be done. It's the difference between saying, I'll get it next time and I'll Venmo you. Venmo is fascinating. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's practical, but it also has a performative angle as well. There's a news feed that shows what all your friends are paying 
each other back for. It is a way to see and be seen. Prove that you're out. You're doing things. Beer emoji, dance emoji. By the way, I highly recommend checking your Venmo privacy settings and changing everything to private. Unless you want everyone and their friends of friends of friends to know who you're sending money to all the time. But The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Back to how these apps affect our relationships. Julia Fowell writes, We don't want to feel like our friends are keeping precise track of what we owe them and vice versa. It undermines our bond by turning a trust-based relationship into a transactional tit-for-tat relationship, where a friend offers to drive you home but expects reimbursement for gas. And here's a piece from Shivani Dubey. Growing up in a Desi family, I was raised on the notion that no personal relationship is transactional. You wouldn't hesitate to buy around or foot the bill, provide you have the financial capacity to do so. I grew up watching family members and relatives race to grab the check as soon as it was set on the table, refusing to let guests pay. This is the mentality of many Asian households. Small gestures that show you've got their backs with no expectation of anything in return. As a society, I've noticed that we've started to orient away from a community mindset. We're becoming more hyper-individualistic by nature, which then leads to a transactional approach to every relationship we have. And as Shivani noted, this makes sense again when you consider how many people aren't earning enough and how high the cost of living is pretty much everywhere but still even with rough economic conditions I think it's important to be aware of our habits and try to prevent ourselves from falling deep into petty financial behaviors for example Shivani referenced this tweet I have a friend who has counted how many mozzarella sticks I had compared to what he had and divided the $10 appetizer accordingly it's insane I found this journal article about pettiness in social exchange. Unfortunately, full access costs $17. But here's a quote from the abstract. People dislike petty exchanges even when the petty amount given is more generous, such as a gift card for $5.15 rather than $5. Suggesting that pettiness may in some instances serve as a stronger relationship signal than our actual benefits exchanged. Attentiveness to trivial details of resource exchanges harms communal sharing relationships by making even objectively generous exchanges feel transactional. And I thought that was so interesting. I actually went through my own Venmo feed to see if I do this or if I know anyone who does. And some of you might be thinking, well, why wouldn't I send the exact amount? If I owe you 5029, I'll send that. On one hand, of course, technology like Venmo makes it super easy to send exact figures, whereas with cash, you might just round it to the next dollar. But again, this falls into those inexplicable, unspoken social rules. For what whatever reasons, many people might perceive you as petty or stingy if you're too specific about amounts. It can feel like nickel and diming. So for future reference, apparently people would rather you send around $50 and just forget about the extra cents. Sociology is fascinating. Somewhat related to that, in my survey, I had a lot of anecdotes of people saying, some of the richest people I know are the most petty about money. Here's an example. 
I'm a low-income student at an Ivy League university on full financial aid. It's sort of an inside joke that the people who will ask you to pay them back immediately and calculate what you owe them to the cent are always the extremely wealthy trust fund kids. I was homeless most of my life, and my best friend happens to be the daughter of a late oil company founder. She gets money put in her account every month and will never have to work a day in her life, but if she covers a bill, she always expects to get paid back immediately. And I feel like that's so classic. Like, I've heard so many examples of people who have a rich friend who maybe pays for the group on a credit card. They get paid back from everyone. But then it turns out that their parents pay their entire credit card bill. So they didn't actually spend any money there. Yet, they get to pocket all of the extra money from their friends. Technically, is that wrong? I mean, I think so. It feels dishonest and misleading. And especially if you're a friend who's like broke or living on minimum wage, it just feels shitty to know that your friend literally just made a profit from going out to dinner. It's weird. So I wanted to know, is it true that poorer people tend to be more generous and that the wealthy are more stingy? I found these comments in the Guardian's notes and queries. Matt says, the poor are trying to encourage sharing. Why not? They've got little to lose. Bill says, the answer is obvious if you ask the question the other way around. Why are stingy people wealthy and generous people poor? Phil agrees. How do you think the poor became poor? Ah, uh, yes. Famously, people become poor by giving all their money away, and people become wealthy by saving their pennies. No systemic factors in sight. Of course, as we know, the super rich become wealthy through exploitation and wealth hoarding, but there are sociological factors at play too, especially when it comes to their interpersonal relationships. From this NPR piece by Shankar Vedantam, a Berkeley psych professor said, in just about every way you can study it, our lower class individuals volunteer more, they give more of their resources, and they're more generous. Keltner and Greenfield, working independently, have both concluded that the poor tend to value social connections because social connections are integral to survival when you can't make your way on your own. But slowly, as people become wealthy, they need one another less, and so they make fewer connections. Autonomy and freedom become more important than responsibility and obligation. Ultimately, we all approach finances differently. We have varying experiences, expectations, and values surrounding money. Many of us have unresolved problems with money, so it can get even more painful or awkward to try to process these issues when it involves other people. Let me highlight a few more survey responses. I sometimes worry that my attitude towards not keeping track of who's spent what, because I try to be generous without expecting anything in return, goes too far in the other direction where I don't realize that someone is keeping track and expecting repayment and I'm oblivious and then hurt that relationship. Yes, I think this is why I tend to keep track pretty strictly. I just want to make sure that the situation is fair for everyone. I wouldn't want to accidentally create a situation where anyone is overpaying and feels bad about that. I noticed a trend in a lot of the responses. Many of us have an interesting double standard. We're really hard on ourselves, but we're a lot more generous with friends. Or we love to give, but it's harder to receive gifts. Like this response. My general philosophy is if I cover the check and people are paying me back, they can pay me an estimate. But if I'm paying someone back, I want to be precise because I don't want to underestimate my portion. Yep, exactly. Like in my life, I'm more than happy to treat my friends to coffee. I do not want them to pay me that $7 back. Yet sometimes when they buy my coffee, my immediate instinct is to pay them back right away. And for me, I think this comes from never wanting to assume or feel like I'm taking advantage of someone I don't want my friend to think, damn, Tiffany never paid me back. I also think because I grew up lower income, 
I internalized not wanting to be perceived as cheap or like I'm mooching off people. There is some level of pride. I just wanna make sure I carry my own weight. Ever since I got a job and started to pay for myself and handle my own bills, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to prove that I could do it. It has taken years of practice to be more okay with people giving me gifts or paying for me. I think I also feel hyper aware because I've been very broke before. I've been very deep in debt. I would never want to risk throwing off someone else's budget. What if I thought this was a gift or that we were gonna take turns, but they actually need that money back now? That's why for me, my instinct is usually that it feels safer to just pay everyone back exactly what I owe. Everyone's sending exactly what they spent, so the only person they can blame is themselves and ah, there isn't some funky unpaid debt hanging over our heads. But because I'm adamant about paying others back, it might make it seem like I really care about being paid back exactly, even when I don't. Does that make sense? Ugh. It's a lot. This is why communication is key. I'm sure you're very surprised to hear me mention it this late in this video. I think it's a pretty simple concept, but obviously we have no choice but to talk about these things because we all have so many different experiences. There can be such huge disconnects between our values, our expectations, and sometimes we don't even realize that someone else can have such an opposing view on something. For example, if I were to go out for a friend's birthday dinner, the group would pay for the birthday person. They would cover their meal. If we're going out for drinks, we're covering their drinks all night. That's the norm, right? In my particular American experience, it has been, but that's definitely not the norm everywhere. And that's actually something I learned from the survey. In fact, in Greece, it's expected that the person who invites a group out for their birthday or their party will pay the entire bill. One of my survey respondents said, it's not so much the budget as the symbolism of wanting others to be there on your day and share your joy. Now, obviously I am aware. Different cultures have different traditions, but I really would have guessed that the whole paying for the birthday person or the person you're celebrating was universal. And I was wrong. It was a good reminder, like, you can't make assumptions. It's always helpful to communicate about your expectations. Hey, it's Riley's birthday coming up. What budget is everybody comfortable with? We're going to this restaurant. Are we cool with collectively covering their bill? Should we all split a big expensive gift? For some, it might feel weird like spelling it out because they expect that that Again, that's the norm. But for others, they might be blindsided by a sudden expense and then they're in the uncomfortable position of either being like, hey, I really can't afford this. I can't pay that share. Or they're forced to overspend and like go into debt. It is so important to set boundaries and make your spending limits known and then stick to them yourself, ideally. I don't think anyone should ever feel bad for having to say no to plans you can't afford. It is not worth it to put yourself into debt to try to keep up with your friends' lifestyles. But I get it. The wealth gap in relationships can be so hard to navigate. The gap itself can cause problems, but not acknowledging or discussing the gap makes it even worse. This is from a Guardian piece by Shirin Kale. As the wealth gap widens, once solid relationships begin to buckle and cave under the pressure of all that is unsaid, rather than tackle a situation that's difficult, they say nothing. You say no to plans without explanation. Your friends don't understand why you're bailing all the time. And then 
then you stop getting invited and then you feel hurt and they feel hurt. This can create conflict and break up friendships down the line. Many find it easier to just let the relationship go than confront the reality. And that is a shame. Of course, friendships can come and go. Sometimes you just grow in different directions. Even if you don't want to drift apart, it's so common for people to start gravitating toward people at similar income levels. And fighting that takes active resistance from both sides. We have to be honest with each other and a huge part of that is talking about money. And hey, if someone is not willing to be mindful and considerate of your financial situation, it totally makes sense to move on. But often, we can make it work. Okay, so final thoughts. Researching this topic has actually made me rethink my own relationships and the way that I've been going about things. I still think there's definitely a time for splitting expenses. Like I love the app Splitwise for group trips. You keep track of a lot of things, who paid what, you settle it all at the end, that's great. There's also that app that's great for splitting restaurant bills. It's called Tab. And these are tools, they're very useful. They come in handy. But overall, researching this has shifted my like philosophy about this. It's inspired me to have these specific conversations with my friends, you know, check in and be like, hey, do you prefer when we just pay our share or would you like to take turns depending on what we're paying for? Because I'm sure among different friends or different groups, we're all gonna have different, different thoughts on it, but at least we're having the conversation. We're opening the dialogue. In general, I really want to resist the instant Venmo instinct. I wanna practice the art of my treat, I got this one. Again, even if it's small, a coffee, a cheap drink, it's not really about the amount. I think it's more about getting in that practice of being generous and being willing to, again, give things without expectation. No friendship or relationship is ever going to be 50-50 in terms of money spent, effort, time. Relationships cannot be quantified. They cannot be perfectly balanced, but there are ways to show people you care and that you value spending time with them. Ultimately, what's nice about like treating someone to something is that it's about building a sense of community and reciprocity. There are a lot of ways to show that you're invested in a relationship or signal your desire to hang out again. Hey, I got this one. I'll see you next time. Let's make those plans. And it doesn't always even have to be financial. I also wanna prioritize more free or really cheap activities with my friends. I just want time to hang out, to play, be silly, walk around. It doesn't have to be an expensive event every time we see each other. I actually wrote another few sections related to this, like how we battle loneliness with overspending when it comes to socializing, but that's gonna have to be saved for a future video. So I really hope you enjoyed this one. I had a lot of fun writing it. Thanks again to Parade. Next time you're looking for some bras and undies, check them out and use code FERG25 to get 25% off site-wide. And now I wanna give a shout out to my sweet, sweet patrons. I create some bonus content updates on my Patreon and I appreciate the support very much. And extra thanks to my executive producer tier we have Abby Hayden, Chloe Noel, Dalek Mems, Freshly Laundered, Ivy Adam, Jackie King, Jill Hoffman, Matthew Gray, Megan Collins, MegCat33, Morgan Tisa, Nicole Louise, Sarah Kemi, and Stevie May. Thank you so much again, especially for making it to the end of the video, and stay tuned for future internet analysis videos. Okay, thanks, bye!